Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining today. Today will be a solo episode. I just wanted to, before the end of the year, give you some updates on Ozempic. I've been on it now for about 10-11 weeks. And uh, my fasting protocol, because Ozempic has definitely changed that. And then also I started a new algorithm on my pump, which not a lot of people are on right now. It's getting very popular and people are asking a lot of questions about it. It's called IAPS. So I wanted to go into that a little bit too, if that is of interest to you. So the first thing I want to talk about is Ozempic. And I've been on it, like I said, 10, 11 weeks now. And my endocrinologist originally prescribed it to me due to the insulin resistance that I have been facing. As some of you know, I'm going through perimenopause and my insulin needs have more than doubled over time. And it's become very frustrating. I've had a lot of very erratic, volatile blood sugars. I've had weight gain. Uh, I haven't been able to fast like I wanted to fast. And it's just been a real struggle. So to combat all of these issues that I've been facing, I started on a birth control pill called Slind, and I've been a couple months on that now, and then also I started on Ozempic around the same time. And with Ozempic, the 10-11 weeks, I started at a 0.25 dose, which is the starter dose, and then I have gradually titrated up. Now, Ozempic is, it's a once a week injection, and I know a lot of you have heard about it. It's usually used for people with type 2 diabetes. Um, it's not approved right now by the FDA for type 1 diabetes. So if you get it, your endocrinologist will have to write it for you kind of off-label. It's an off-label use for type 1. But uh, my endocrinologist was very much on board with it. And she said that you know a lot of endocrinologists realize that that uh, drugs like Ozempic can really help with insulin resistance that type 1s can face. So long story short, I started at the 0.25 dose and then began to titrate up. Now, I started to have problems titrating up, and I was getting um, a lot of diarrhea and just I felt really nauseous. Those are not uncommon side effects, but I felt like it was uncommon for the low dose that I was on. So I ended up titrating up very, very slowly. There were a few weeks in there where I just felt terrible. Uh, And also, you know, just recently I had a a day where I felt horrible. And I read online that a lot of times people have a lot of nausea starting in anywhere between weeks 8 and 12. So I'm right in the middle of that. So I'm not necessarily surprised by this, although it is very disconcerting when you get that nausea. I felt like I just wanted to throw up for an entire day and I just felt disgusting. So, you know, just keep this in mind. I want, and now titrating up, you know, it's usually a once a week injection. Instead of doing it once a week, doing 0.25 and then titrating up to like the next dose, which is 0.5, I ended up going rather slowly. So I did 
my Friday's a day that I inject. I would do 0.25 on Friday, and then I might do another five or six clicks a couple days later, and then another five or six clicks another couple days later after that. So like I didn't put the full dose in on Friday. I would kind of spread it out over the week. Now, as if you're type one, or even if you're not type one and you don't mind giving injections, it's no big deal. Just It just helps kind of smooth it out a little bit, I find. So right now, I, I, I vary between probably 0.5 and 0.6 on Ozempic. So I do a 0.25 dose on Friday, and then I spread out the rest during the week, and that seems to be helping with some of the side effects. So if you're struggling with side effects, maybe try something similar where you don't put all of the Ozempic in on one day and you sort of spread it out over time. That might be able to help you a little bit. And I also noticed that Ozempic does have a peak. So it usually peaks a few days after you give the injection. So if you are type 1 and you have insulin settings that you're thinking about, just know that around, you know, day 2 or 3, you're going to have a peak in Ozempic. So your insulin needs will be less on those days and then they'll be higher on the other days. So you got to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And uh, I I sort of wonder at this point and I'll tell you a little bit more about what I'm about to say, but part of me wonders if it's worth all the trouble with Ozempic. And it's not only because of the side effects that I've had and just the variability in insulin needs, but there's also other side effects that uh, I've had too, which make me sort of wonder if it's worth it. So one of the last side effects that I uh, have been experiencing is weight gain. And now I know that's not a common side effect. I did look it up and people on Ozempic, there, there are, I think it was uh, like 15% of the sample size of people that took Ozempic in their in their test trials did gain weight. So it's not unheard of. So I've gained on Ozempic probably five or six pounds, which, you know, I, at the weight I was before, you know, people were saying I was too skinny. And so I guess it's not the worst thing in the world that I've gained weight, but it's just something to consider if you're gaining weight, um, you know, it might be the Ozempic if you're on Ozempic. And the thing that's sort of interesting about the weight gain is, yes, Ozempic counteracts insulin resistance. However, when you gain weight with type 1, you need more insulin. So I'm sort of thinking it's six of one, half dozen of another. Yes, I'm my insulin resistance is improved. However, I've gained weight and then therefore I need more insulin. So is it really worth it? I don't know. The jury is still out. I am trying to stick with it for a little while longer. I'm going to try to see if I can sort of push through it. But I'm not entirely sold that Ozempic is the answer. Uh, It's also interesting in the way it's changed the way I fast quite a bit. Now, Ozempic sort of gives you a feeling of being full sooner, but that feeling doesn't really last that long. So instead of the way I used to do it was I would eat, open up my my window, my eating window at like, 10 or 11 a.m. and then close it by one or two and I got in all the food I needed during that time period and then closed it and that was the end of it. I could eat quite a bit in that period of time so I never felt hungry once I closed my window. The interesting thing with Ozempic is that when I close my window, if I close it at one or two, I haven't been able to eat very much. So when I open my window, I'll usually eat some fruit or some yogurt or something like that and then I'll take like a pretty long break because I won't be hungry. So sometimes that break can last till, you know, if I open it up at like 10 or 11, sometimes that break will last till like one or two before I feel like eating anything again. And then I'll eat a little bit of lunch and then I'll feel full. 
and then I'll close my window and then I'll be hungry again a few hours later. And I feel like I don't want to deprive myself because I really haven't eaten very much during the day. So I end up eating a longer eating window. And I think that too has caused me to gain weight. Now, yes, I could tighten it up and just be hungry and just say, you know what, I felt full, so I'm gonna stop eating. But part of me just feels like not doing that, <laughs> to put it bluntly. So what's ended up happening is I'll open around 10 or 11 and then I might not close it until three or four or five. So I end up having sort of a much longer eating window than I used to have. And that's just been a change that I've had to think about. And plus, when you have a longer eating window, you have food in your system for longer. Your insulin needs to work. You know, you need your insulin to be working harder during that period of time. And it's just like a whole big thing. It's a whole big thing that you have to think about in terms of uh, variables affecting your blood sugar. And obviously, food is the number one variable that affects your blood sugar. So if your eating window is open for longer, you have more insulin going on for longer. So you have to sort of think about these things. All in all, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Ozempic just yet. As I've said, I will give it some more time and I'll report back. And again, this is only one person's experience. It's only my experience. You may have a much better or a different result on Ozempic. I think that if you're type one and your doctor is supportive, you should try it. Because I think my general attitude with type one is try everything and see what works for you because what works for one person may not work for another person. It's, it's not a linear path. Everything needs to be tried at least once in my opinion. Um, that's what I did with metformin. I tried metformin. I didn't like it. I think I ended up titrating up too fast. I ended up on 1500 milligrams, which I feel like maybe was too much for me. Anyway, long story short, I ended up getting off of that. And I haven't revisited metformin, although I may at some point. Uh, but right now on the Ozempic, I feel like I don't really need it. So, you know, but there's always things you can try. And then speaking of things you can try with type 1, I had been on the Loop uh, DIY algorithm for, let's see here, it was in 2019. So it's been four years since I've been on Loop. And I, I've read a lot lately and heard a lot lately about this new DIY algorithm called IAPS, which is on your iPhone and it's it's got some similarities with Loop, but it's actually it's actually pretty different in some key ways. And not a lot of people are using it. It's not as user friendly. The interface is not as clean as Loop. However, I really like how it's handling my blood sugars. I've only been on it for a little less than a week now, so I can't give you a full report. I'll give you a full report at a later date. But, uh, and I'm not even using all of the functionality of this, of this new system. It's got quite a few bells and whistles. You can really geek out on it if you want. Uh, the build on IAPS um, is a little bit trickier. There's not as much documentation and as much hand-holding as there is with Loop. So if you do get an APS, just know that it's it's a little bit of a, you know, you gotta sort of be on the cutting edge. You've gotta, you know, do some of the hard work if you wanna figure out how to build it. Luckily for me, the build wasn't terribly complicated. If you're coming from Loop, you're kind of used to some of the build errors that you get. You can kind of understand what's going on. If you are on Omnipod 5, for example, or tandem even, and you're coming from another algorithm and you want to jump into IAPS, I might caution you on it just because I think the build might be hard for you and it might be hard for you to kind of understand what's going on. The more I think about it, the more I think that if you're coming from one of those other 
algorithms, whether it's Omnipod 5 or Tandem or Medtronic even, maybe start with Loop and because Loop is just so much more user-friendly. And then once you get comfortable with Loop, then switch over to IAPS. Uh, the thing with Loop is I found myself messing around with the settings a lot, adding a lot of fake carbs all the time. I was constantly interacting with it. I was always changing around my insulin sensitivity, my basal rates. It just required a lot of attention. I was just constantly in the app messing around with things. And it's a very powerful tool. It allows you to set targets that these commercially available algorithms will not let you set. So in that way, Loop is really, really useful and good, and it's a very good system. However, it's since it's so user intensive, I feel like there's a lot of room for error. And the thing I like about IAPS is it actually removes a lot of the uh, user interaction from the from the algorithm. And I've noticed, you know, I haven't been on it very long, and I would, like I said, I'll give a fuller report later. If you have your settings pretty much right, which I think I do at this point, you don't get a lot of lows and you can kind of just let the algorithm run its run its thing, run its math. And it even has this really interesting feature called unannounced meals. And so basically you don't even have to tell the algorithm if you're eating something, it'll just catch it for you. And I haven't been using that as much, but basically what it does is unlike loop which uses um, carbs that you put in and the information that you give it to determine how much insulin to give you. IAPS basically uses your blood sugar and the trend that it sees in your blood sugar to figure out whether or not you need more insulin. So whether you tell it or you don't tell it, it can tell by your blood sugar that this person needs more insulin. So as long as you, your settings, like I said, are correct, it'll automatically dose you. It will assume that you ate carbs. Uh, whether you did or not, it almost doesn't matter. It can see in your blood sugar that something is going on that requires insulin. So it's very interesting. Um, the user interface is not as pretty as Loops. So, you know, it takes a little bit of getting used to. There's a thousand settings on there. And I've watched a lot of, um, they have like a whole series of loop and learn, open mic videos with the creators of IAPS. And they talk about what all the different things are. And even after watching those videos once or twice a piece, I still don't totally understand it. So it's it's one of those systems where I think, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> you get in your basic info, like I put in my basal rates, I put in my insulin sensitivity, I put my insulin to carb, and I toggled a couple switches here and there in the algorithm, and I'm just letting it run its thing. And I've actually been very impressed with it. Overnights have been beautiful. And they've been really steady, just very little variation in blood sugar. It's very, it's actually quite amazing because on loop, I would see, I would stay in range most of the time because I didn't have food going on at night on loop as well. So it, it would, it would stay in a pretty tight range, but I, I could see the little, you know, ups and downs, a little curve on the blood sugar chart on IAPS. Those numbers overnight are straight lines. It'll be like, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, like it'll just be straight line at whatever the blood sugar is that I want it to be at. It's quite amazing. And I've noticed too that it brings down highs in a very methodical way and it does not result in a low. I had a lot of lows on loop. Thankfully, I have not had many lows on IAPS. And the only way I've had lows on IPS is if I actually fiddle with the system. IAPS is designed for you to be much more hands-off and that's one of the key things that has been hard for me to 
sort of uh, reckon with because I'm so, so used to constantly intervening like I did with Loop. So I need to figure out a way to get my hands off the app and just let it handle everything. Um, I'm still entering carbs, but I'm not doing big pre-bolses like I did with Loop. So like before I eat lunch or something, I'll give myself one unit or one and a half units, but I won't give the full three, four unit dose that I normally would on Loop. So I was sure that that was gonna result in, you know, sky high blood sugars after eating, but oddly it has not. If I had done that same thing on Loop, I would end up with very high blood sugars for a prolonged period of time. With IAPS, I do see some variability. Like if I eat something, maybe I'll go up to like 180, but then it'll nice and gently and fairly quickly come back down into a normal range. It's, uh, it's been pretty impressive. And like I said, I've been on it just a little under a week. And I would say the number of times that I've gone over 200 is about maybe once or twice in that whole period of time, which for me is really good. And the lows I've had are all self-inflicted because I was messing around in the algorithm and giving myself extra insulin. Even when the algorithm did not suggest that I do that, I was kind of rage bolusing within the algorithm. So, you know, if you can somehow manage to just leave it alone, you'll have actually very good results, assuming your settings are right. So anyway, I'm gonna give that a little bit more time and I there's some features that I have not enabled yet because the developers recommend that certain features do not be turned on until a week into using it. So I'm following instructions, which I'm usually not good at doing, but for this purpose, I'm going to do that. So um, that's been just a really interesting experience. And it's kind of fun to move to a new algorithm after having been on loop for four years. So I will keep you updated on that. Um, in terms of holiday fasting, um, I've been disappointed in myself, like I said, because I've gained weight with the impact of Ozempic and just like a lot of things have changed. Uh, and I've stopped beating myself up over the weight gain and I've just sort of let it be. Um, and I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting like feedback from people saying that they think I look better at this higher weight. So I'm not trying to actively lose weight anymore. I'm just letting it be. It's heavier than I would like to be, but I'm not fighting it. Uh, so my strategy with respect to the holidays, I used to be somebody that if I were going out or going to somebody's house for dinner or something like that, I would try to fast the whole, you know, maybe do a ADF uh, day, like a down day and then an up day. And I've just sort of, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or I just, I've lost some enthusiasm for it. I just don't want to do ADF anymore. So I have stopped doing down days, at least for the time being. I may get back to it later, you know, everything changes, but for now I feel like I want to eat every day and certain days I eat two meals in a day and I've stopped beating myself up for it. I will never be a three meal a day plus snacks person ever again, but in my mind, if it's a special day or a special occasion, um, I will eat two meals in a day and I'm not gonna beat myself up over it. As long as I can keep my weight in a relatively tightish range with a range within two or three pounds, I'm okay. I'm not trying to you know, fit in any bathing suits or anything like that. So I feel like it's all good. So my strategy for the holidays is to enjoy myself within reason to, I'm probably not going to do any down days. Like I said, um, I'm not going to probably do back to back days of two meals a day. Cause that just sounds not pleasant, but if I do a few here and there, I'm, I'm going to be fine with it. So that's, that's generally going to be my strategy for that period of time. The last thing I wanted to talk about was sugar. So I've had, and you've heard on prior episodes talking about sugar and how I gave up sugar 
in March of this year and I've been very good about not eating it. However, recently it started to creep back into my diet because of certain occasions. I've had like a piece of cake here and there. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have a bar of like dark chocolate, like 85%, you know, you know, a dark chocolate bar. And it's, you know, it's getting to the point where I'm like, oh, I really would love to have another chocolate bar. So I'm actively fighting cutting out sugar again. And I have, in fact, I haven't eaten sugar in the last, oh, maybe four or five days. Um, I, I'm not eating it a lot. I wasn't eating a lot anyway, just to, just to be clear, I wasn't. I was uh, I'm pretty much off sugar entirely. But those few times that I had cake and then a couple times I had a chocolate bar, it really felt like I was falling off the wagon like in a big way. So I've had to really retrain myself and really, you know, struggle with cutting out sugar again because those cravings, they come back fast and they come back strong. So you have to be really, really, unfortunately, very rigid with yourself to, to get them under control again. And um, it hasn't been fun. And I've learned a very valuable lesson here, which is if you've cut sugar, like just keep it out. Because when you invite that, um, when you invite that demon back into your life again, it's really hard to cut it out again. It feels very difficult. And I was on such a roll, not craving sugar, being totally fine with it, to just a few slip ups here and there to the point where I feel like, oh my God, I want sugar every day. And I'm actively combating it, but it's not easy and it's not fun. And I really wish that I had never started down this path. So instead of, you know, being polite at parties and just having a slice of cake, I've decided that during this holiday season, I will not be doing that. No sugar for me. I'm going to keep it at bay because it's just too dangerous to, to have it back in my life. I was doing so well, was not craving sugar at all. And uh, that has totally changed and I've got to fight back again. So if you're going through it, I totally understand. And, you know, there's no time like the present to start if you're dreading the holiday season because you're, you know, you have that constant negotiation going on in your head about eating sugar or cake at a party or whatever and how much are you going to eat and this, that, and the other. It, that, that food noise is just overwhelming. And I had cut it out to such an extent that I had forgotten how bad it could be. Um, and so anyway, I'm actively trying to to get that out of my head again. So we'll we'll see if we can, you know, we'll see how this holiday season goes, but that's my intention for now. So anyway, thank you so much for joining today. I hope you enjoy the holidays and I will be back to you guys in the new year. Enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.